Welcome to the Power in the Pandemic podcast. You're listening to the Power in the Pandemic podcast. I'm your host, Maria. Throughout the upcoming weeks and months, PowerShift's project is partnering with the Oxfam In-Depth podcast to share the experiences of people living through the coronavirus pandemic. We'll be hearing from people across the world as they tell us how the virus is affecting their lives and how their communities are organizing to tackle the effects of this crisis. Each episode will weave together different voices on different topics, from how migrant communities and island nations are facing up to the crisis, to the ways in which sexual and reproductive health rights are under attack. Welcome to the Power in the Pandemic podcast. I'm your guest host, Beth, sitting in for Maria. In this episode, we're exploring the challenges affecting internally displaced people and refugees in Myanmar, Bangladesh and Jordan. Today, we're asking, how has coronavirus made a difficult and precarious living situation more complicated for internally displaced people and refugees? What is it like to live through this pandemic in a camp setting? And what are community members, organisations and governments doing to build communities' resilience and preparedness in camps? Giving us some insights into living on a camp during the pandemic, we first hear from a resident of Sitwe Camp in Myanmar. The Rohingya are a minority ethnic group in Myanmar. In the decades that followed the 1962 military takeover of the country, the military attacked minority groups, including the Rohingya. The Rohingya have faced ongoing repression, discrimination and segregation in Burma, now Myanmar, for decades. Prior to the military takeover, the Rohingya had lived peacefully alongside Burma's Buddhist majority. After successive waves of violence against them in the 90s, 2012, and again on the 25th of August 2017 by the Burmese military, this has led to enforced segregation. Hundreds of thousands of Rohingya have fled across the border to Bangladesh to Cox's Bazaar, a refugee camp we will be hearing from later. Sitwe Camp, on the other hand, is a closed and guarded camp within Myanmar, the camp is a cordoned-off rural area on the outskirts of Sitwe Township in Rakhine State, on the border with Bangladesh. It houses approximately 97 to 128,000 Rohingya people. Rohingya living in Sitwe are denied access to citizenship, rights and healthcare. In this interview, a resident of Sitwe explains what it is like living on the camp during the pandemic. Just for some background, in the interview, he discusses that programmes have been cut by INGOs, such as Cash for Work and Livelihood Projects. And only certain work has remained, such as WASH Projects. For listeners that are unfamiliar with this term, WASH stands for Water, Sanitation and Hygiene. I wish to share with you the challenges we have here over this COVID-19 pandemic period. Since the virus hit almost everywhere in the world, the effect on individuals and communities is also very high, but different as per locations. Surely this pandemic hits most and affects the most vulnerable population across the world, like Situ IDP camps, one of the most populated camps in Myanmar. I'm going to share the impact of COVID-19 on different sectors of social lives and economical lives and health sectors. Even before the COVID-19, most of their lives are in difficult situation. Although they are provided rations normally, there are still issues about having access to other life-saving needs. I induce interventions in different forms of activities, such as livelihood, wash, cash for work, etc., etc. 
help them a lot to fulfill the additional needs besides the ration provided by WFP. Due to the impact of COVID-19, INGOs now have to reduce their activities that they operate normally, and some even stop the activities completely. Only watch actors are running the activities, but with limits, and prioritize some important activities, so-called life-saving activities. This reduction and complete cut of activities create another crisis in the camps where their conditions are already worse, because I believe it has been well known among INGOs and at international level how these people live in camps and struggle for their basic needs. Although there are some markets available near and far away from them, it is not always easy for some isolated camps and villages to get access to them because of their level of incomes and transportation. The current lockdown makes the situation worse. This pandemic also creates a social economic problem in the whole city because of the lockdown and restrictions. The cash for work and livelihood projects supported by INGOs bring opportunities for many people and some rely on them as primary source of incomes. Some other villages had opportunities to get employed them as laborers in business sectors and other construction projects run by contractors and some could also work in INGOs projects. But the current situation blocks nearly half of these opportunities. Access to health services is a major crisis in the rural side of Sydney, even before the COVID-19 pandemic. The poor provision of health services and facilities during this pandemic creates so much panic in the majority of people. Because the government haven't planned anything yet in the rural side of Sydney, like it had done for other places, the Keeping Clinic is the only official medical center in the area where the medical equipment and medicine and the system of treatment are already poor. This medical facility is aimed to provide services for about 200,000 Rohingyas. This has been well aware in the communities. Due to the lack of equipment and medicine, fears and panic are increasing in our people when we always hear the increase of COVID cases daily around the world. I also have spoken to a lot of my friends I often ask them what would happen to us if there are cases here. They replied to me very desperately, we have no option except to die, because even most powerful and highly technologically developed nations are facing seriously and not able to find medicine and vaccine to treat COVID patients. Although some measures are guided to prevent COVID, such as social distancing, uh, washing hands with soap, putting on face masks, it has been difficult to respect all here in Cairns. For example, washing hands with soap is still fine, as soap is available. Social distancing is completely impossible in Cairns, where long houses are very closer and in even less than two meters apart from one another. Some days ago, 
the government announced to respect the preventive measures, measures like social distancing, not to gather more than five people in one place, put on face masks. If someone doesn't put on face masks, he or she will be found 30,000 chests. This kind of measures is sometimes good for preventing and controlling the diseases. But the problem is that no one is monitoring how people in camps are managing to get them. Do people really have capacities to follow the orders? What challenges do they have to manage them all and respect the orders and the guidelines? We'll hear more from our Sitway resident later on in the episode as he shares his thoughts on what can be done going forward to protect and prepare people in the camp from the virus. Now to Cox's Bazaar, the world's largest refugee settlement in Bangladesh. The majority of the camp's 800,000 residents are also Rohingya Muslims who fled over the border to Bangladesh after the violence against them in 2017. According to the Intersector Coordination Group's recent report from the 24th of May, there were 13 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the Rohingya refugee camps, of a total of 362 confirmed cases in the district. With cramped living quarters and limited access to water, the spread of the virus is worrying for residents of the camp. We connected with YPSA, Young Power and Social Action. They're a Bangladeshi organisation working in Cox's Bazaar. YPSA promote the active participation of young people in their communities. We spoke to Jisho Barua, the coordinator of YPSA's Rohingya Response. Jisho sets the scene of YPSA's work at Cox's Bazaar and the challenges the coronavirus pandemic throws up for the camp under a lockdown situation. After the 25th of August 2017, lots of Rohingya came into Bangladesh for displacement. The government of Bangladesh resettled 700,000 Rohingyas in Ukia and Taknav in Cox's Bazaar district. YPSA play a vital role as a non-government organisation to help forcibly displaced undocumented Myanmar people. COVID-19 is a worldwide bad situation. In Cox's Bazaar, people are not able to work outside and they have no work during lockdown conditions. They are facing social and economic problems and they don't have enough food. There is also poor education rate in Cox's Bazaar, so people have limited awareness of the situation. We've seen that people are not aware of COVID-19. We are at risk of despondency and we have a lot of problems to face. YPSA has been working hard to raise public awareness, keep good health and a clean environment during COVID-19. Jisho also organised two interviews for us with members of the community in Cox's Bazaar to talk about their experiences. Firstly, we hear from Mr. Azil Hoke, a local imam, and then Halal Udin, a farmer on Cox's Bazaar. Assalamualaikum. I'm Azil Siddiq. Hotip, Shikdar Bazar, Jamojit, Kaz Bazar Shadur. Is it Mohammed Corona Bharat, Covid Unish? During this time of Covid 19, people are suffering very much with sorrow. With lockdown measures, people have no or little income, so it's hard to maintain livelihoods. Daily labourers and farmers are suffering greatly. Farmers are not able to continue their regular production from farmland. They cannot go about regular activity. Farmers are getting low prices for goods because transportation is so rare in the village and wholesalers are not coming to buy goods because of lockdown. People abstain from going outside to do jobs or go to the market. As a khatib of the mosque, I am facing some problems like my salary. 
I used to take my salary from community donations. People are currently unable to donate due to low or lack of income. So for this reason, I'm facing problems to maintain my livelihood. The community people used to arrange religious meetings and gatherings, but at the moment it's not possible as we must maintain social and physical distance. We know no medicine for COVID-19 at all, but self-awareness is a good concept to prevent COVID-19 for now. It's a good thing that we should abstain from public gathering and follow government advice. The community, and especially young people, play a vital role to raise awareness for COVID-19 and educate people on the government guidelines. Young people should be disseminating information and take care of vulnerable people, older people and children. Young people are also doing a good job of running activities to help the community understand and follow health guidelines. We should also be aware of what we eat. We need to take good food, especially vitamin C-related food, pure water, vegetables and others. There are also some social superstitions in the community. People are misguided and do not believe that corona exists or that there's a pandemic. This is an unexpected issue. Going forward, it's important that we engage more vulnerable people in relief distribution. We need good coordination among NGOs, government and local community people, including community leaders. As an imam, I am disseminating information and health tips in my daily and weekly prayers. We all need to work together again in preventing COVID-19. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're unable to move easily for any of our work. We're not able to have social gatherings, we're not able to talk to people, and we're not able to work properly. Farmers aren't able to cultivate farmland. I can't buy fertilizer or produce food from the farm. The wholesalers aren't coming from town to buy goods. I can't sell my products and I'm not able to move to sow seeds in paddy for vegetables. What can I do? I'm also facing problems for collecting nutritious food for my children and get food for my household. People are used to handshaking and hugging, but at the moment we have to abstain from this and we need to maintain physical distance. Even marriage gatherings have stopped. We're also not getting proper health services, pharmacy owners are not opening their shops. The government are taking steps to prevent the spread of COVID and NGOs are working to disseminate the information on government health policies. We need to maintain those health policies. Representatives from government and NGOs are working on different issues. They are providing information about social distancing, about COVID-19. Organizations should coordinate to ensure that food and donations cover more people with a good coordination among all. Because farmers have limited access to work, the government and NGOs should provide relief and donations for us. That was Mr. Azil Hope and Halal Uddin of Cox's Bazaar talking about their experiences of life under lockdown. Zatari refugee camp in Jordan is home to 8,000 Syrian refugees who have fled from the civil war in Syria. Oxfam have been running a recycling centre on the camp since 2015. The recycling centre has witnessed a 20% reduction of solid waste to landfills and provided jobs in the community. The aim of the project is to keep communities clean, reduce environmental footprints, whilst creating jobs and providing vulnerable people with a source of income. 
Since the emergence of coronavirus, the camp has had curfews and life has changed dramatically for those living there. In this article from the Jordan Diary series, we hear directly from Ahmoud and Ali, who work at the recycling centre. These are some extracts from the article, called Life Under Lockdown, Keeping Zatari Refugee Camps Clean Despite COVID-19. You can find the full article in the show notes. Mahmoud is a 22-year-old Syrian refugee hired to oversee a team of these community cleaners, tasked with picking up street waste from one of Zatari's districts. I connect with volunteer teams regularly to make sure I'm reminding them to maintain adequate distance between each other, sending them off to different areas of the camp, making sure they're wearing gloves, washing their hands, and often to go as far as making sure people are comfortable working in the areas they're assigned. Since the pandemic outbreak, experts and researchers have warned about the risks posed to refugee camps. Space is not built to withstand crisis of this magnitude, simply by virtue of their population density, proximity of living conditions and basic levels of service intended to serve short-term humanitarian needs. All it would take is one person to get infected, Ali says. It would cause a ripple effect across the entire camp. The caravans we live in are so close to one another. Supermarkets and bakeries are crowded, Even the physical distancing, I know we're supposed to stay two metres apart, but sometimes even that is difficult in these conditions. Ali has five children that he constantly worries about, and while Mahmoud doesn't have children, he worries about the potential risk he poses to his family after coming home from a shift at work. I take a shower the instant I come home, and make sure to change my clothes even before I'm in contact with my family, he says. I don't let my children go outside. I don't even let them run errands, even the older ones. I worry about them so much. I prefer to make sure the essential errands are taken care of when I'm not at work. They were both pleased to find out their work was considered essential enough to continue operating. It is so hard to spend all day at home without work, Ali says. We're able to spend our time contributing positively to our community and keeping the camp clean. I'm really happy to have this opportunity. Nonetheless, they both expressed an apprehension about the future after the pandemic. I'm so thankful to God to have this opportunity, but I'm worried that the pandemic stays longer than we think. What will I do? Where will I work after my contract here is over? Everything outside is closed and jobs in the camp are few and far between. Mahmoud quit school in order to support his family and his siblings and is trying to make sure they don't ever have to make the same sacrifice. Ali, on the other hand, has a grimmer outlook. It's hard to answer this question, he says. In your own country, it's much easier to shape your own future and make choices that get you there. While Jordan has been good to us and is our second home, I can't visualise the future that I'd like to see for myself here. My children are excellent students. I'm hopeful they'll get scholarships that take them post-secondary. But if I'm being honest, my future is a narrow horizon and I don't look forward to it. Despite this, both are able to hone in on a refined perspective born specifically from the pandemic and the curfew measures. People have started to feel the value of the smallest things they used to have that they may have taken for granted before, Mahmoud says. It has forced us to appreciate all of them, whether a job, a family or health. I just hope donor communities continue to support these important projects at the refugee camp. I know for sure that working with Oxfam and getting this paid work opportunity has completely changed my life. I just hope it all passes over without our Zatari community needing more because of it. But regardless of what happens, what's most important right now is having our health and having our life to wake up to. Life Under Lockdown, Keeping Zatari Refugee Camps Clean Despite COVID-19 was written by Eamon Zarug and Aisha Shtiwi.
We've heard a lot about the experience of lockdown in camps, being unable to work, the challenges around social distancing, maintaining an income and concerns about disinformation and NGO and government response. To finish this episode today, the resident of Sitway Camp we heard at the start of the episode will share how he thinks the pandemic response should be carried out on camps going forward. I personally would like to provide some recommendations, which I hope that these recommendations will be useful. Things will get easy to manage in camps over this pandemic if some of them are implemented. They should be implemented um, under the management of WHO with the support of INGOs, especially health actors and watch actors. The recommendations I would like to share with you are as follows. Number one, provide enough equipment and medicines in taking rural clinic and improve its service and services and facilities. Two, identify more places and infrastructures for clinics and quarantine, public buildings such as schools and religious buildings can also be used. TLS in camps, which are very closer to shelters, shouldn't be used for any purposes because we are not safe enough. Some testing centers should be set up in most visible places, like near the market and other public places. Five, local people should be trained about the treatment in order to manage the crisis easily if there are urgent cases or any outbreak happens. Six, a pandemic management team should be set up with local people and train them properly. They should also be provided equipment and medicines. The teams should be under the management of health actors. Seven, food and other needs should also be managed for the patients in clinics and quarantine centers. These are all about the situation. As much as I know, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Power in the Pandemic podcast and thank you to all the voices who shared their experiences on the podcast today. You can find links to YPSA's website and the full article about the recycling plant on Zatari Camp in Jordan in the show notes. We also have an excellent resource from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, which shares the history of persecution against the Rohingya. We are part of Power Shifts and Views and Voices. You can find links to our blogs and website in the show notes. To make sure you hear us again, subscribe to your usual podcast provider and join us next time. Thanks for listening.